Welcome to episode 412 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a very spiritual conversation with regular contributor, songwriter, musician, artist, actress, and our resident storyteller, Little Star Run. We delve into her trek to North Carolina with her good friend Rachel, changing her surroundings. A little Kafka-esque it goes, too. We talk about Reiki, we talk about Western mind, about healing and darkness and brightness and beauty, among other things. A grand conversation with Little Star Run. We also share some actual findings as compiled and published in the March issue of Harper's Magazine. We have an EWSA titled Sliver of an Ark and a poem called Birdbath. All of this, of course, will be imbued, infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 412 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Feeling and for a millisecond, 
share a look like a family does Like we have inside jokes like we could call each other by little nicknames And I could tell the story of how my great-grandmother's sister was deemed a saint How they exhumed her body after years of being buried And the fact she hadn't even begun to sully So they moved her again straight into the Something different at the same time And I feel nauseous Some days I can only see into my suitcase It's got everything I need Plus some superstitious things I may also need Music suits a savage beast The pilot says to me Sliver of an Ark. The same radio station since high school. The same songs. I think about all I know, and that puts into stark relief all that I don't know. The texture of this paper I am writing on. The smell of my jacket as it still holds the aroma of meals cooked during the holidays as well as what my children refer to as daddy smell. I'm not sure if I am tuned into the stratosphere, the ionosphere, the Ionian sea, the mind, heart, and soul of this me, the mountain tops and the valley city bar stool stops, the onset of spring's equinox, 
as the moon wanes into a sliver of an arc. It seems so vast yet connected, so deep and bright and dark and ripe for one to see, smell, breathe, bite, conceive. Am I well? We ask for more as we pray for a reprieve. The need for peace and happiness, strength, courage, to accept, be content, to progress and achieve. Though we too need the comfort of control, knowing this all means something, that love and justice are true and real, that they will reveal and prevail, like the daddy smell or mommy smell, or that one perfect amalgam of emotion you have held within your soul with such devotion to keep all of this thing tethered and connected on a string. When whippoorwills call And evening is nigh I hurry to my Blue heaven Just to turn to the right You find a little white light Will lead you to my Blue heaven Smiling face, a fireplace, a cozy room, a little nest and nestled where the roses bloom. Just Molly and me, and the baby makes three. We're happy in star run is that you hello ew yes it's me can you hear me okay you sound wonderful 
Oh, lovely. <laughs> you sound wonderful, too. It's really, really nice to hear your voice. Oh, same here. It's been maybe about four months or so since we've uh, spoken on Troubadours and Rock On tours. Little Star Run is a regular contributor. She's a songwriter, a musician, an artist, an actress, as well as our resident storyteller. So I, I presume you have a story to share with us at some point. Um, I do have a story to share. It's actually twofold. And um, you know how I was saying that I wasn't really sure what I was going to talk about. Um, it was revealed to me in sort of a strange way how this, this story is coming together. Um, and a lot of it has to do with synchronicity and the pandemic and things coming in and out of different consciousness and yeah it's kind of been exciting I don't really feel like I actually controlled how this story uh came about at all <laughs> that sounds excellent I mean sometimes most of the time those that type of story is the best type well it's it's a, pers a perspective uh offering up a story sort of in the middle uh and then coming together with a, a well-known story so uh, has this all happened to you? Are, are you still uh, in the Carolinas? Uh, yes, I'm in sunny North Carolina. Um, it's uh, That actually has to do with the story as well. So <laughs> it was literally all the elements of what I've been experiencing uh, the past few weeks in my own psyche and, you know, coming from Pennsylvania where it was sort of dark and cold and just I was a little bit miserable uh and then sort of deciding that I really needed to change my scenery and uh having one of my my best friends in the world kidnap me and bring me here <laughs> uh I know that and, friend yes you do <laughs> shout out to Ra the other Rachel the other Rachel there. yeah <laughs> the two you're like the the coolest Rachels around and you hang together that's amazing to me <laughs> we are a dynamic duo, and it's been that way since we met, um, you know, in high school. So uh, we're really both blessed to um, have met each other and have been lifelong friends and um, co-conspirators, for sure. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, uh, we're really uh, excited to hear. I mean, if, if the two Rachels are involved in this story in some way, shape, or form, then it's got to be good. So you're down there, and you're hanging out in the warm environment of North Carolina, and you, and you stumbled upon something? Is that what occurred? or you, you? Well, I sort of brought my, my little Pennsylvania misery with me in the beginning, and I wasn't quite aware of it. You know, I was carrying an energy that was being in sort of isolation and cold and darkness and difficult times and this was a really hard winter uh you know a lot of people i know and myself included we we lost people that we loved and um you know the pandemic has been so intensely unforgiving in a lot of ways and I I wasn't aware that I was carrying that energy with me until I started to to feel the sun on my face, you know, after so many months of just being indoors and 
I was in an art shop uh, here called Art Post Durham, and it had sort of been one of the first times that I'd been out and about socializing with people, masks, of course, all very safely, um, and got into a conversation about books and subsequently Franz Kafka. And you know how I've been talking to you about, like, I really don't know what kind of story I'm going to tell. Um, and the, the Kafka reference made me remember a person that I knew in New York City uh, who chose to live with, now this is a little grotesque, but it gets better, um, <laughs> <laughs> a little trigger warning, uh, chose to live with uh, an infestation of cockroaches uh, in order to have cheaper rent in a good location in the most exciting city in the world. And I think I think his rent was only like two hundred dollars or something. Whoa. I mean, it, it was like nothing. Um, and I actually went to this apartment without knowing this. And obvi obviously, you know, this brings up the metamorphosis uh, of Kafka. Yes, you know, Gregor. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I, th this memory was triggered. I hadn't thought about it in so many years. You know, this was my time in New York City so long ago. And, um, you know, I remember this situation where I went to this apartment where this person actually cohabitated with cockroaches. Yeah. Hmm. And he's not a bad person or just, <laughs> you know, that that's a disclaimer in this. He's not a bad person. He was a writer. This, you know, sometimes people, and this is what I've, I've understood, is that people want to go pretty deep into their own darkness to discover their own capacity for light. Mm. And, and this, this person actually, I would, I would say was doing that. He was working on a novel, you know, how fitting, right? You know, prob probably <laughs> uh, influenced by Kafka in some way. Um, and I went to this apartment and I remember him telling me instructions about how to live in this new environment. I wasn't, he actually offered for me to stay there. This was a time when I, I didn't really have a stable place to live. And this was one of the, places that uh i ended up i only stayed there for a few hours it was actually not something that i could handle and the, the cockroaches uh, yeah oh yeah and we're not talking about a small amount this was you know there were designated rooms uh set off for them where they had their own sort of playground he was telling me things about how they what they like to eat and all about their habits and ways to keep them in line and i was like wow i'm like these are pets for him he almost you know <laughs> it's like they're also roommates they're also uh, uh inspiration perhaps i don't know and while it was extremely grotesque to me it was also really fascinating and you know, there were times in my life, too, where I found myself in these very sort of dreary, dark places. But I was, I've always kind of 
been more like, okay, I'm going to observe what this is instead of, you know, being taken down by it. And, uh, and that was something I did in those moments when I was in his apartment. I was just fascinated by him. I'm like, wow. I'm like, he actually loves these cockroaches. And, and he, I was like... And he was sane. He was sane. We worked together, um, you know, uh, at an organization that was, um, you know, for environmental awareness. Uh, he may have been on another plane of living you know he may have been part insect i really don't know i mean it, it it kind of felt that way that he was getting close to that you know because uh understanding sort of their nature and maybe wanting to be more like them and um very so, kafka-esque right um and at the time i i was that's all i was thinking about i'm like wow i'm like i wonder if he you know, just read the metamorphosis at some point and then <laughs> just decided like, that could be my life. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we all know that trying to get any kind of affordable rent in New York city is, um, is definitely a hustle. And, uh, some people are willing to go to extreme amounts of, um, discomfort or, you know, inconvenience to do that. Uh, but this, this was extreme. And I began thinking about the pandemic as well as, you know, and, and the metamorphosis that, you know, like Gregor wakes up one day and has to adjust to the fact that he's a cockroach, right? Mm -hmm. And we've, we've all been experiencing waking up one day and just having pretty much everything that we were used to suddenly have to be different. And you know, those long months of isolation during the winter, I didn't realize how much not seeing people or sun or, you know, really going out very much was affecting me until I came to a place that was more open and sunny and uh, inviting, you know? Inviting because the weather is nicer or just the culture as well? Down in the Carol North Carolina you're talking about. Oh, it's so different. Um, I, I feel it's just people are, everyone's been so friendly to me. Uh, there's, there's a different kind of uh, Southern hospitality and mentality. I, I've honestly been spoiled. I don't know if I can return to the North <laughs> now. Uh, I know I'm on vacation and that might actually be, you know, um, just my vacation perception. Uh, but yeah, I, coming out of that, isolation of, of those months and then suddenly being showered with just so much love, affection, hospitality, openness, um, you know, and especially from the other Rachel, as I am her guest here, um, I wasn't feeling well for a few days, as I, I had mentioned. Um, and yesterday I was surprised with a, a beautiful birthday party that I, I had no idea was going to happen. My birthday is, you know, the 22nd of March, but they surprised me with an early birthday party. And um, it's just been, yeah, uh, just just wonderful. I, I'm, I'm really blessed. And um, it got me thinking about the other sort of like 
well-known Kafka myth about him uh, inventing the stories about the little girl's doll uh, that was away on her uh, world travels, let's say, because the girl had lost her doll. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I've, I've been super creative here and kind of taking all of that you know, pent up, uh, stored energy from all that isolation, everything, and putting it into art and healing for others. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of what I wanted to talk about going from sort of the metamorphosis to sort of a more mythic, beautiful, imaginary realm of interpreting how we can live in altered times and altered states. I love it. Go for it. (laughs) Um, So I started doing great. One of the things that happened to me during my isolation over Christmas, uh, you know, through the winter months was uh, I, I got a Reiki attunement. I started practicing Reiki Mm -hmm. and I didn't know that I had a capacity for this. Um, You know, it's an energy that we're said to all have where we can um, provide healing for others through uh, physical touch. Um, And that's been something that's really been hard during the pandemic is being able to touch people, to hug people, to, um, to have contact. And uh, I learned that I could do it without touching people even that I could send distance healing Reiki and that is part of the practice Um, and you're not supposed to be able to do it until you reach a certain level Uh, but for some reason I'm able to do this and uh, so I've I've been sending these uh, healing sessions to people I'm close to in my life from a distance uh, and they've been effective and it's kind of a miraculous thing. Like zooming it or just thinking it? Do they know you're doing it? How do you... Well, yeah, they have to know. They definitely have to know. Um, and you... I mean, you can send it. This is part of the practice. So you could send it to someone who doesn't know you're sending it, but it might not be as effective. They do have to kind of be open to it. Um, but it's... It's kind of been a creative interpretation, you know, for me, realizing that I don't need to be able to touch people to send such good energy or healing energy or help them in some way. Um, is it a spiritual sort of healing and connection or is it a uh, mental? Uh, through, is it through the mind, through the soul, through the body, all of the above? Uh, it's hard to explain, but it feels like it's a lot of different levels at once. Uh, the way it's been for me is that whoever I'm sending the healing to, I actually kind of sort of enter into what I would call maybe the subtle body and then sort of am able to even scan and feel places where they're blocked and it's really powerful um, it sounds like is, chi. It sounds like the chi energy that uh, you know comes from 
the, the uh, practices uh, in, in China that have been around for thousands of years, this inner energy, qi, and um, are there, there are other uh, uh, levels and, and aspects of it. Yeah, 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 it's exactly that. Um, I mean, and that's an energy that we can all access. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be some sort of privileged thing. It's just I had a friend attune me to how to do the Reiki, and then suddenly I had all these kind of new abilities and awarenesses that I wasn't, I didn't previously know I had, you know, um, and it's done, you know, I've, I've been doing it for other people, but I've also been doing it on myself and it's been opening up things like visual art that I wasn't really doing very much, but suddenly I'm able to just do again. And I even had a block in that area because I, I had a lot of pressure around it. And that was kind of a weird thing as well. And so, um, well, how do you get rid of the blockage? What do you do? It's actually really interesting because you don't have to direct the energy. Um, you, I mean, you just channel it and have the intention of, of unblocking. It doesn't even have to be specific. And, you know, the it's said that the energy knows where to go. You don't have, like, in, and it's kind of an exercise, too, in our, our Western mind of, like, we must control everything, you know? Uh, so basically what you do is you just channel the energy, and it's said that the Reiki knows where it's supposed to go, and you don't have to manipulate it all that much. Yeah, it, you know, and, and you mentioned the, the Western mind, a lot of folks in our Western world that are listening to this might be very skeptical of what you're saying. Uh, of, of course, <laughs> I'm aware of that. Uh, I want you to I want you to try to share and, and send some uh, something out that helps them with their blockage right now. Oh, okay, I can do that. So I I just sort of take a posture and think of um, a certain symbol. And uh, and allow the Reiki to flow out to our listeners and to intend um, healing for them uh, and opening them to the consciousness of the Reiki. Hmm. My eyes are closed. I'm I'm uh, I'm open. I'm open to it. I feel better talking with you about it generally. I feel better talking with you, but yeah, th this is something I think in the West we overlook, and for thousands of years, other places in the world, again, namely in the eastern part of the world, this is a, a, a very common uh, approach to living well. Uh, and here we look at it as backward or silly, but when you think about the other things that we embrace and we give uh, so much um, emphasis to like making a lot of money or or being uh, dominant um, uh, making sure you have enough time to get to happy hour every Friday because that's how you really live large isn't that kind of ridiculous and questionable maybe even more so than uh, the skepticism that comes along with what you're talking about well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm of that mindset for sure. Um, Me too. 
<laughs> but you become aware. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I think a lot of people are becoming aware. Like we saw in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, I'm suddenly baking bread and I'm going to start a garden. And I'm, you know, the, people were getting away from sort of like the consumer mindset and more into that sort of beautiful inner world where there's unlimited creativity. Um, and that also goes back to the Kafka uh, story about creating the travels for the little girl for her doll yeah explain that a little bit more for the listeners um the story of that or yeah, yeah the story can give give a little backstory or back literally to to uh the kafka ref, reference with with uh, not we talked about metamorphosis but the other uh storyline with the dolls um I don't know all the specifics. I, I mean, I just know that um, he met a little girl in a park. And um, I think there's a story actually written about it. It's called Kafka and the Doll. And I think it's for children. Um, I'm not sure about that. Um, but Franz Kafka discovered a little girl who had lost her doll and decided to create these letters um, from her doll about all the travels that she was having around the world, uh, you know, so the little girl wouldn't be sad that she had lost her doll. And, uh, you know, we each have the capacity to take something that is um, an adverse circumstance and turn it into something beautiful. And it's a, it's kind of up to us whether we you know, whether we have to go into the dark depths of our soul to come out of it in some sort of creative capacity or, you know, or if we maybe embrace a more intuitive, less cerebral, less controlling way of just experiencing goodness and joy and creativity. Yeah, that's... That's a great uh, reflection. You know, often many people uh, who are artists or who think they understand art uh, or want to understand art, they automatically presume that you must suffer, you must have that darkness uh, that you've experienced to be able to, to access uh, anything worth um, worthwhile in, in, in uh, whether it be something you're writing or something you're painting or dancing or what have you, um, playing on a, an instrument. And I don't know, you know, I, I don't have the answer to that uh, for sure. But I, the, the one thing that troubles me uh, on, on occasion is when people try to create a darkness for themselves so that they can then feel like, you know, they, they'll have something to, 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 to use in their art and self-destructive, you know. And that's our collective trauma as humans, you know. Um, I mean, I think that stems from us feeling maybe familiar in dark places based on experiences, you know. A lot of people gravitate towards things that are unresolved, um, that they may have experienced, you know, in childhood or in, in other situations that might have created... Um, 
an imprint of trauma in the body and the soul and the brain. And I mean, I don't think any of us can escape without suffering. I, I don't think that life is without suffering, but I, I think that there is a way that we can access, you know, modes of healing and beauty and togetherness and connection without torturing ourselves or others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually they go hand in hand, don't they? <laughs> they seem to. <laughs> And yeah, I don't know. I don't know because yeah, it does seem like it's the pattern of, you know, you have to feel some dark torture in order to create some amazing art. And I'm just, I'm not sure that that's true. Um, no, and I think you uh, you hit on it as well. I mean, if you're living life and you're a present and you're aware, there's joy and there's pain both. You know, I mean, without a doubt you're going to experience both. So you don't have to try to create it, you know, the tough things. Uh, I suppose you try to, sir, you try to rise above it, I guess, if that's the right phrase, you, you try to live well, despite the, the trials and tribulations for, for real, you know, with substance, um, with heart and soul. Um, I don't know. It's hard to put into words. I think we can just put it as a feeling, as an intention, you know. Um, we don't have to put it into words. And uh, and I, I think, I, I think people need to, to realize that that not not everything has to be in our social media realms or in, you know, in some, in some way that society is recognizing it or, you know, it's just beautiful as it is. It's like, we don't need any other recognition. We're, we're too caught up in that. Mm -hmm. You're right. Little star run. It's, uh, it's wonderful to hear you. It sounds like you do feel extra good. Uh, there in North Carolina with your friend Rachel and, and, the, and the beautiful sunny weather. Um, man, I would hate to not see you come back, but I'd understand if you didn't. <laughs> well, I have to come back. I do have pressing matters that I need to attend to in Pennsylvania too. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, this trip has been eye-opening for me in ways that I really didn't expect. Um, I'm and you know, this whole conversation sparked because I decided to go out with a friend and go to this beautiful art place and meet some people and have a random conversation and uh, and not be so afraid of the pandemic either, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and yeah. I didn't see it. I don't feel like I controlled it at all. I feel like it just unfolded and I didn't have to sit there and think like, oh my God, what story am I going to tell? I have nothing to do for the show. You know, mm -hmm. I just kind of let go and everything just happened. Yeah. And that's, that's what I ask from you when you're on. Just share what you're thinking and what you're experiencing in life. And I know it's going to be good. It, it, it's always a pleasure to have you on the program, Little Star Run. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. 
and uh, we'll be talking with you again in a few months. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy your stay with Rachel. Tell her I said hey, and uh, when you come back up this way, make sure you let me know. Maybe we'll be able, the weather will be warmer up here too, and we can, we can cross paths out in the city. Oh, that would be wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Me too. All right. Take care, EW. Take care, little star run.
and now some actual findings as gathered and published by Harper's Magazine in their March 2021 edition. Again, these are actual findings. Weak upwelling in the Antarctic Ocean during the last glacial period trapped more CO2, and subsea permafrost from the same era is thawing at an increasing rate. Global wind patterns may revert to those of five to 10,000 years ago. Warming seas may be drowning starfish. The lifespans of tropical trees will fall as forests' average temperatures surpass 25 degrees Celsius, and a gulf between the leaf unfolding and flowering of European trees is widening. During a dry month in the Maya forest, a jaguar ate an ocelot. In the Red Sea, octopuses were punching fish, possibly as an expression of spite or of dominance. An American eel was tracked to the Sargasso Sea for the first time. Oxygen and strontium levels in the bones of mummified baboons from the Ptolemaic and New Kingdom periods constrained the possible location of the lost land of Punt. DNA testing determined the West African origins of the forest elephants whose tusks sank in 1533 with the bomb Jesus. A rock mined 220 years ago in Cornwall was found to contain a previously unknown dark green mineral, and geologists were listening for a change in the pitch of the Hochvogel. Vietnamese honeybees, when offered a variety of feces with which to daub their hives to discourage raids by Vespa Soro hornets, prefer that of chickens and pigs. Researchers worried that Canadian honeybees may not know how to use fecal defenses against invasive Asian giant hornets. The big-bellied glandular bush cricket appears frequently in the feces of Bubo Bubo. Chinese scientists evaluated the testicular toxicity of cadmium in the Chinese fire-bellied newt. Researchers created an analog of ibogaine that appears to be less toxic to zebrafish and may not cause serious hallucinations in humans, as suggested by a lack of head twitching in mice, who successfully reduced their alcohol consumption while on the drug. <laughs> Synthetic llama antibodies can protect endangered cell proteins. Quote, the situation is analogous to ugly fruit, said one of the researchers. A new autonomous drone can use a live antenna taken from a hawk moth to navigate by smell. The use of honey to sweeten sheep's milk kefir makes Brazilian consumers feel less active, energetic, healthy, and loving. Fast walking in narrow corridors increases the risk of coronavirus transmission whereas slower dental drilling reduces it. Frequent travel makes people happier by 
Bird bath. It tilts to the right from my window gaze, to the left from the pavement street chilly days, as the ice has melted in a warm March sunny haze for some bluebirds and red robins to drink. As our perennial lovebirds return to sit on the banister of a still snow-covered back porch, while I stand over the sink, the missing link on the brink.
there you have it, episode 412 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Little Star Run, Harper's Magazine, and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Lady Lamb the Beekeeper, Nora Jones, Joni Mitchell, the Miles Davis Sextet, Bob Marley and the Whalers, Branford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard, too. And of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and try to enjoy and do our best with this time. Take care.